Doggy. Matthew, how are you? I hope people's volumes weren't too high there. I try to bring my mouth away from the mic, and the, the woo doggy is woo doggy. What a bullish week. Blowing people's eardrums. Hey, you know what to expect here at Tales from the Crypt. Poor audio quality, so hopefully it didn't blow too many eardrums out and you're still listening, freaks. But I hope you can uh, understand my excitement. Uh, a lot of a lot of news dropping this week, uh, particularly around MicroStrategies double down on uh, their Bitcoin investment. We will obviously get to that. But first, let's just, hey, how's your week been? It's been pretty good. Uh, I don't know. I, I, yeah, it's, it's been a good week. I, uh, that micro strategy news is, you know, I was like, I wasn't that bullish the first, I thought people were like overhyping it the first time we found out about it. Uh, when he first bought, when they first announced that they bought $175 million worth of Bitcoin. And then they, like the CEO, uh, Michael Saylor, uh, just sent out like a tweet like two days ago. And he was just like, we bought another $200 million worth. Uh, I was like, maybe it's not a gimmick, right? Because I don't know if the freaks remember the first time. I was like, this kind of feels like Long Island blockchain. Yeah. Uh, and then I I watched like the first half. He went on Pomp's podcast. Have you seen that yet? I did. It was a very good podcast. It was bullish as fuck. <laughs> Dude is a fucking boss. Right. I guess we're just going to jump right into this topic and we'll get. Yeah, I can't just talk later. about just like my my week. Yeah. Uh, really bullish podcast. Shout out to Pomp for facilitating an excellent interview and to Michael Saylor for injecting bull fuel into everybody's veins. I think the one thing that stuck out to me particularly was how quickly he. Uh, learned he wasn't he wasn't in in 2017 wasn't really paying attention he said uh he used the covid quarantine as as a time to educate himself about bitcoin and to go from zero to investing 425 million dollars within a year is, is pretty impressive and uh what really stuck out to me most about his explanation of how he got there was the grassroots content creators uh, getting him quality information he named Vijay Poyapati, our good friend Parker Lewis, good friend Vijay Poyapati as well, uh, good friend Pomp, Dan Held, uh, I'm, I'm missing a few, uh, but it was really a testament to uh, the hard work a lot of content creators have been putting in uh, throughout the bear market. We weren't mentioned, but you know what? This isn't about us. This is just about getting good Bitcoin information to people. First of all, like this is, you know, I don't know. Like, I, like if if we if we have a uh, a dude out there speaking about Bitcoin in public financial markets, I'm I'm happy with Mike being our dude because he was, but he was a, a fighter pilot for the Air Force. Then he made his own company. He's been a public CEO for 22 years. I think he said after the tech. Uh, bubble collapse his stock went down 99 percent and went down from like 300 dollars to like 50 cents and they didn't kick him out as ceo he like weathered the storm he's been he's been hodling domains whichever you know the freaks know that's right on my alley he makes me look like a fucking pleb when it comes to domains he owns mike.com just hope.com just like these fucking just one one word 
domains that he fucking bought. And uh, yeah, I, I was just I was just like really blown away, blown away by the interview. Like he's uh, it, it was it was very impressive to say the least. Extremely impressive. And just like and the I direction, think- like the direction his mind is going with it all is just uh, yeah. The uh, the analogy of five hundred million in U.S. dollars on a balance sheet being like a melting ice cube was just like. Wow, that's perfect. Yeah, I I saw everyone like freaking out about it on Twitter, like the interview, and I I I was just like Bitcoin Twitter is just overhyping something again. And then I actually watched I tried to watch the full interview before I came on here, and I, it was just uh beat my expectations. I was I was impressed. Yeah. Another interesting thing that Pierre Richard has been uh leaning into today is the fact that a lot of publications have not been covering it like no mainstream media has mentioned the fact that a a publicly traded company has allocated almost half a billion dollars to bitcoin uh the quote-unquote crypto publications very few have covered it which has been interesting oh that was the other thing that made me bullish is like this dude it seems like they bought the bitcoin on public exchanges of like a massive amount of transactions, a lot of small transactions. So he didn't move the order books and then they're self custodying it themselves. They're holding their own keys. Like that's exactly what we want to fucking see. That, that is insane to me. I did not expect that. I did not expect a publicly traded company to have $400 million worth of Bitcoin in self custody. I think we have to confirm whether or not it's self-custody, it is in cold storage. He says, so here's the tweet that Matt is referring to that went out uh, at 12.48 p.m. Eastern today. We acquired 21,454 Bitcoins. So this is the first purchase, I imagine, via 78,388 off-chain transactions, which I imagine is OTC desk and piecemealing stuff together, then secured it in cold storage with 18 on-chain transactions. But I don't think it could be, I don't think it could be OTC. No. Because look, how many off-chain transactions did you say you did? 78,388. So you think you're doing that with an OTC broker? You're doing 78,000 small transactions with an OTC broker and like having them custody it before you take the custody yourself? Yeah, that's a good point. You think they'd be able to batch no, that they, together like, he had like figure a, it out? Dude probably had like a limit order on an exchange. He's like on, on Coinbase or Gemini or Kraken or some shit. Or all of them. That's crazy. Uh, la- last sentence of this tweet, Bitcoin scales just fine as a store of value. I, this dude is giga chad. If it was OTC, what I would assume, which is what I thought it was originally, is like OTC, you do like bigger chunks and it's it settles on chain. They don't usually hold the custody for you. You have like a different custody provider. If you're not, if you're not going to custody yourself, you have like a custody provider you bring in and the OTC broker settles to them. But it settles yeah. on chain. It's not... And it's interesting here that he calls it off-chain. Um, yeah. Everybody's speculating that it was OTC piecemeal. It'll be interesting to see if you I, ever... OTC piecemeal, exa- 78,000 transactions? Yeah, it does seem odd now that we're actually dissecting it. And it does kind of read like it's self-custody, right? Well, I'll just... I'll believe. I'll believe it's self-custody. Yeah. Um, At least it's not like GBTC. Yeah, exactly. And it's different than Paul Tudor Jones, so I think got exposure via futures markets. Well, Paul Tudor uh, Jones actually bought through Robinhood. 
No. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think uh, PT, PTJ was uh, Futures, yeah. which doesn't really count, right? That's what I'm saying. Like, this guy's the real deal. Let's see more of this yeah. shit. That's a good point. Do you think we will see more of this shit in, in the coming months, quarters, year? MicroStrategy should start providing coin joint liquidity. <laughs> uh, how are you feeling about our Q, Q2 2023 bet about Apple? Yeah, I think it's definitely going to be under now. Yeah. We just need to get this guy in front of CNBC, talk it a couple more times. Like he'll be a great spokesman. He's gonna just fucking trigger trigger a bunch of companies to do the same thing. Yeah, he speaks so, so well. I mean, if you watch the first half of the interview, which is all I got through so far, was like, you know, credit to Pom for getting him on the podcast, but that dude just was interviewing himself. He was just like, <laughs> Pom barely got any words in. The guy just kept going, and he was just fucking. I mean, I it's easy to get me bullish, I guess, but I was. I was I was getting pretty bullish pretty quickly there. But yeah. um yeah, I mean, just to put this stuff in perspective right now is uh a lot of the ETH heads, a lot of our good friends over in ETHland have been uh going crazy over this number a billion dollars worth of Bitcoin tokenized on Ethereum. Um I actually did a podcast this week with uh with uh Luke I I don't think he even says his last name. Luke Venture Coinist. I think it's Luke Martin. Uh, Luke Martin, right? Yeah, Luke Martin uh, yeah. on his on his Coinist podcast about this. Um, and there are two things. I mean, first of all, it's 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 multi sig custodial, and it's just a the token can be traded on Ethereum. Um, but if you compare that to custodial on Coinbase, that's so. There's right now we have about a hundred thousand coins or 90,000 coins in like multi-sig custodial that's accessible in the Ethereum ecosystem. It's not really on Ethereum. Uh, and then we have like 900,000 in Coinbase. So like 10x there. And then this motherfucker's got like 38,000, right? So just to like put it all in perspective, like MicroStrategy has, you know, I, I, half as many Bitcoin as, as is so-called tokenized on Ethereum, which is like kind yeah. of ridiculous to think about. Just how early all of these things are. Like, even if you are bullish on on Bitcoin tokens being used on Ethereum, it's just a it's just a fucking drop in the bucket. Yeah, and I love how they're pumping that stat. I think it's a beautiful cell phone because it means that Bitcoin's a better collateral for that system. <laughs> but I don't even know if it's like like I don't. Like I don't know if it's a better collateral for that system. Like I know I'd rather hold Bitcoin. Right. Like I, I don't I, I custodial Bitcoin does not, you know, is 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 a, a risk that I wouldn't be willing to take. And in addition to that, you have the smart contract risk. Right. So but not only that, you, ha you have the custodial plus the smart contract risk. It's like yeah, tether. It's like tether, but with Bitcoin held instead of U.S. dollars. Well, that's actually another good point to bring up. I think Hasu tweeted this out and he's making the argument that this custodial Bitcoin wrapping for Ethereum is actually better than putting Ethereum in a smart contract because if the smart contract fails, you're not going to be able to get your Ethereum back. Uh, but if you had this wrap 
BTC product, uh, the custodian holding that Bitcoin in a multi-sig will still have access to that. Yeah, the Bitcoin doesn't get lost. The Bitcoin never, it, that's the thing. Like they're mar- It's not on Ethereum. Yeah, their marketing scares people into thinking it's on Ethereum, but it's not. It never leaves the Bitcoin chain. Yeah. They just have a token that represents, it's an IOU token on Ethereum that repres- re- yeah. represents the Bitcoin that's held in the custodial multi-sig. Yeah, and one giga chad uh, bought half the amount of "quote unquote" wrapped BTC on Ethereum uh, for his company's balance sheet. So he now owns, I believe, it's 0.18 percent of the total uh, potential supply of the whole Bitcoin. And he market. might not be stopping, right? Who knows? I think he depleted his cash holdings. If I remember correctly, during the original announcement of the first buy, they only had 425 million dollars in cash and. It seems like he tapped that out. Yeah, Maybe he just put like the whole 400 mil basically <laughs> into Bitcoin. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what some people were talking about, right? It's like it's kind of like an end around for an ETF because the company is only valued at a billion and a half. And now a third of the company's valuation is is literally being held in, in, in Bitcoin. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, like, will he be giving out Bitcoin dividends in the future if it... If it appreciates well, no, you would give amount. out cash. We would give right. stock dividends. Yeah, cash dividends. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting times. Very interesting times will be. I don't want to say interesting three times in the same sentence. Interesting. But it'll be very, very interesting to see uh, if this incites a domino effect in corporate boardrooms, which I imagine it will. Jeff Booth has been on podcasts recently talking about the fact that boardrooms that he's got some insight into i've been talking about this so maybe the mad dash for for bitcoins on corporate balance sheets has started i'm proud to i'm proud to announce that we here at tftc have had bitcoin on our balance sheet for for well over a year Yeah, but we're such fucking plebs like it's so crazy that this (laughs) this guy just like walks in like discovers bitcoin like three months later he's a fucking whale like are you fucking kidding me uh i loved your uh your tweet response to him it was very humble Oh my! I did the same format, but my fifteen dollar humble stack. To... <laughs> I like that segue. format. That format's so good. I we've been acquiring. What is it? Acquiring our acquisition of thirteen thousand Bitcoin has been completed at an aggregate price of. Yeah, September fourteenth. We yeah. we finish an acquisition. Blah blah blah. That was good. Um, so fifteen dollars. I forget how many sats of that was worth but looking at clark moody's dashboard right now the price is at ten thousand nine hundred twenty four dollars and that means uh one dollar is going to get you nine thousand one hundred fifty four sats currently you can get 5.6 ounces of gold uh for one bitcoin it looks like bitcoin's market cap versus gold market cap percentage is broken clark uh might want to fix that i'm hearing something is there like a lawnmower or something going on on your end? Uh, I mean, it doesn't matter because it's a different mic than what the freaks are hearing, but I don't hear anything. Yeah, you, your, uh, your audio just completely changed on me. Did your did your, uh, your AirPods die? No, I'm using wired headphones, and I'm using my computer mic. I don't know what's going on. We're good now. I fixed it. Uh, Clark, well, regardless, the freaks, it hasn't bothered the freaks. It's only bothering you. Yes. 
I'll, I'll, I'll power through this. I always suffer for you freaks uh, to bring you the good content. Clark, if you're listening, your website's broken. You need to fix the Bitcoin versus gold market cap percentage. Uh, currently, one Bitcoin is going to get you 295 barrels of oil. We are at block height 648,792. Uh, we have a difficulty adjustment coming in 360 blocks right now. It's estimated to be 11.8% upward adjustment. Blocks are currently coming in under 9 minutes at 8 minutes and 57 seconds. So considerable amount of hash rate seems to have joined the network since the last retarget. Uh, where are we at here? Good time to send some transactions. If you want to get it into the next block, you can attach a 62 sat per byte fee. If you're willing to wait an hour, it goes down to 54 sats a day, one sat. So we're approaching the weekend too, if you have a low time preference. Uh, Matt, I know you said last week that we'll never be able to get one sat per byte transactions through, <laughs> but it seems like you were wrong. <laughs> Maybe now we'll never be able to get one sat per byte again. Yes. Just, how many uh, times do I have to call it till I overtake uh, Hoddle Knots 10K? I think we're going to be here for a while. I don't know, dude. Any any day now, any day now could be the last day where we get one sap per bite. I feel the fee FOMO. It's coming. It's coming. Speaking of FOMO, it looks like people are FOMOing into Samurai. Unspent capacity is at 1,573 Bitcoin. Bang, bang. Uh, it just keeps going up. Just keeps going up. But see, that's um, so small. You know, like this is what like people don't realize, you know, the, the lightning lightning capacity is at a thousand Bitcoin. 38x is micro strategy. Unspent capacity of 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 Whirlpool right now is at fifteen hundred Bitcoin. That's what like 30x is micro strategy. Like this is like we need to get these like if we want these things to be successful like they need to they need to increase in 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 amount right like we need people to actually we need to see that number that number go up i'm not expecting it to go up right away lowering my time preference freaks but still like we want that number to go up and in the meantime we have to we have to be humble here and realize that not not that many people are using these things right like how many how many people do we think are doing coin join worldwide right now uh Less than fifteen hundred, it seems. No, uh, no, I would say. Well, nah, that's actually bad. We got a lot I, I of plebs. We, the plebs yes, are doing better than the whales. Less than ten thousand. Let me. Yeah, let me bump probably that. that. Up. Probably like yeah. ten to twenty. Mm-hmm. Um, um, this actually brings up a good uh, topic that's not on the list, but I saw you getting into it with American Hoddle yesterday about the confusion around coin joining, and I had to say. Uh, I do understand where he's coming from. We expanded on that at BitBlockBoom. But uh, like you said in that thread, get your fucking hands dirty, dude. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm patient with everybody. It, like, I, if you if you ask me questions, I will respond to your questions. I'm super helpful. Um, but, like, American Hobbit, like, talks a huge fucking game on Twitter. And he... and we're friendly like he can he can reach out to me anytime he wants if he has any questions or issues like that's a cop-out when he says that he's confused you know and if, and if i mean like i'm no doubt in my mind that he's confused but he hasn't tried right there's been there's been no attempt so i'm gonna i'm gonna fucking call him out but like i i don't want people to think like i'm 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 talking down to everyone else i'm just talking down to american Audible. Yes, and by the way, American Hoddle got kicked off Twitter again. He's now at, at Hoddle well, So I think their uh, conspiracy there is that I dunked on him about CoinJoin, so he made sure that he got suspended, so it, it, it erased it. 
that would not surprise me. Yeah. There's some there's some fuckery going on. I just the I here. want the people like I want the people that talk a big game to put their money where their mouth is. That's all. Yes. I'll play devil's devil's advocate here. I can see where he's coming from where best practices seem to be changing not every day, but uh, if you if you put your guard down, don't stay up to date with everything for 6 months, you may be behind on best practices. He he flashed a screenshot of him purchasing a straight up buy of 20 bitcoin. I remember okay? that. Okay. He can he can put 1 bitcoin into coinjoin liquidity and lightning liquidity, right? And and if 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 he loses it, he loses it. It's like that that's not that's that's not something, you know, like like obviously don't don't go full hog and go and put put all your money into something you're not comfortable with, you know, but he can play around with it. He has more than enough to play around with it. He's made that much clear. That's why I give him shit. And he's never even reached out. Never even attempted to try, which he's admitted to himself. DMs are open. Uh, I was just feeling in a feisty mood, so I called him fucking out for it. That's all. I know. I know. It was a feisty threat. I liked it. He made you admit that uh, you're packing. It was... Uh... <laughs> Um, let's just roll into it before we get into anything. This episode of Rabbit Hole Recap is brought to you by our good friends at the motherfucking Cash App. You freaks already know all about them. You should know all about them. If you don't know about them, let me tell you about them. Uh, easiest place in the U.S. to stack sats. Again, that's stacking sats. You can stack sats, send sats, receive sats, sell sats. We're saying sats, 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 sats because sats can be the standard on the app. We're stacking whole sats and not fractions of Bitcoin. Uh, you can DCA into sats as well using the cash app, set it and forget it one day, weekly, bi-weekly. Uh, you can set that up, set it and forget it in DCA into Bitcoin using the cash app. On top of that, they have cash app investing. If you're interested in investing in stonks, you can do that uh, via cash app too. And you can stack slivers of stonks. You don't have to buy the whole stonk. You can buy as little as $1 because all this is connected to your bank account. There's no four to five day waiting period to start stacking sats and slivers of stonks. Today, uh, I should say Cash App Investing is a subsidiary square and member SIPC. Also, don't forget about their boost program. They're updating that boost program all the time. You get a personalized debit card that can be used anywhere Visa is accepted. And you uh, initiate a boost with a partner merchant, go shop there, and you save a little money and you go stack some sats with that. Uh, as always, if you haven't downloaded the app already, what are you waiting for? Go download it and use the code stacking sats. That's S-T-A-C-K-I-N-G-S-A-T-S. You're going to get $10, and $10 is going to go to our good friends at Owls Lacrosse. That's Owls Lacrosse. I'm a horny owl. This episode of Tales from the Crypt is also brought to you by our incredible friends at Unchained Capital. Unchained Capital, shout out Parker Lewis, was mentioned by Michael Saylor. In the Palm podcast, his gradually then suddenly blog series uh, was a... Uh, a series that made Michael lose a night of sleep, it seems. He he uh, went through every essay that Parker's read. So shout out to Parker for putting out incredible t- content. And shout out to Unchained Capital for putting out incredible products, including what we're shilling here today, their concierge service. So if you want to go from zero to multi-sig uh, with the help of Unchained Capital, they're going to allow you to do that. So you pay $1,500. Uh, they will ship you hardware wallets to set up the multi-sig they're gonna have multiple video calls with you answer any questions you you may have they're gonna make it easy with the help of an expert they're gonna go through operational security they're gonna guide you through that and they're gonna answer any questions you have about multi-sig 
Uh, and then on top of that, once you're through the tutorial and the white glove service, you're going to get $1,000 of Bitcoin into your vault. Uh, so why not make your next Bitcoin purchase direct to a new multi-sig vault? That's the question they're asking. Uh, as we mentioned, they had their incredible blog series. Uh, they work on incredible open source software, including Caravan, uh, which is the open source multi-sig quorum that they use for their vault. So you can do that by yourself without uh, Unchained if you want to. And then they're rolling out an OTC desk uh, as well. And that's going into more states. I actually saw they announced uh, another state this week. Uh, so it's a one-stop shop for Bitcoin financial services done using the native security properties of multi-sig. Uh, you can also go follow them on Twitter at Unchained Cap. Uh, if you don't want to follow them on Twitter, go to their website, www excuse me, www.unchained-capital.com. Uh, and we're actually going to link to the Vault Concierge onboarding package uh, in the show notes. And I would be wrong of me not to say that if you tell the, tell them the TFTC sent you, you're going to get $50 off that concierge package. So, woo! Damn. Uh, I just want to say that uh, Pomp's just been bringing in the guests, man. You got first, you got Kramer, then you got you got Michael Saylor before anyone else, and now it looks like he's gonna get Portnoy before you, Marty. What what's happening there? <sighs> Pressure's on, Matt. You know, it's always good to have a fire lit under your ass with the competition. That's what I love about the space, about the content creation. It's, it feels like more content creators are coming into the space, and content is just getting better. The the bar is getting set higher, and it's uh. It's really motivated me to to put the pedal to the metal. Uh, it'll be interesting to see that Dave Portnoy interview. I, I hope can't they... believe he scooped El Presidente before you, Marty. Shame. Well, again, like I'm part of the bubbly gang. Apparently, I'm a persona non grata. Shame. Uh, hey, I wonder if they'll talk about me on the podcast. I'll I'll take a bet that Bitcoin Marty gets mentioned at some point, and it will probably be followed with some disparaging remarks. <laughs> so just so just front running that. <laughs> uh, no but again like i'd be remiss if i didn't give you shit about it so there's there's the no, shit no. on the record no but on a serious note like it's uh it's a friendly co-opetition if you will like again at the end of the day the reason i got into this was to help better educate people about bitcoin and to be an avenue for bitcoin information for people who like receiving bitcoin information the way i present it and uh some people like it other ways and as long as people are learning about bitcoin and joining the cause i don't care i don't care if it's pomp or me or whoever as long as people are getting on the bitcoin train that's that's what's most important well i mean i'd prefer if they listen to tales from the crypt i do as well obviously but or stefan uh, speaking of speaking of that I we had biases. our best month we had our best month of downloads again thank you for three months been done without three, you three months in a row Shout out to you freaks for approaching 4 million downloads all time on Anchor. I think we should be over 4 million if you factor in the fact that uh, like the first 60 episodes are on Libsyn. So I think we're over 4 million views now. Thank you, freaks. Damn. Hopefully, yeah. a, hopefully a decent fraction of those people are providing CoinJoin and Lightning liquidity. That's all we can ask for. Freaks, if you can, do. Get your hands dirty. Um, we got some shout outs this week. We don't like to do this. Matt and I discussed this for a bit before going live. There was a user, or a user, a listener, uh, who paid for a shout-out uh, with some critiques of Jack Mahler's 
appearance on Pops Pomps Pank Pomps podcast recently. Uh, I did not listen to that podcast. I don't think you did either. Uh, I do not feel comfortable reading this. If you are the freak that paid for this shout out, please DM us. We're gonna have a conversation before we read on there. Maybe we could bring Jack into it too. Uh, I just don't know the context and don't Matt as well. We we debated back and forth. What are your thoughts, Matt? Well, I mean, it's hard to have 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 thoughts without reading the reading it on air. But uh, yeah, I mean, we're not we're not uh, we're not trying to bury this. You know, we're gonna we'll we'll bring it back up. I want I do want to have Jack back on. We haven't had Jack on since Strike launched. Um, yeah. So so absolutely in in that regard. And and whoever you are, freak, uh, definitely reach out to us and let's have let's have a discussion about it. See where your head's at before we proceed here. But we appreciate yes. you sending in a shout out, regardless. Yes, and if you want a refund for this, we will gladly do that. Just send an invoice or an address. Um, yeah, I mean, we're not against reading something either. So, so let's let's have a discussion. But we don't know who you are. Yes. That's one of the beauty of our shout out systems. So you can have to reach out to us and prove to prove to us that you're the one who sent it. It should be yes, for, very and, uh, easy for you to prove that. Yes, and we could potentially read it next week. We just need some more context. We don't feel comfortable without some some more context. Uh, shout out to John Holmquist for launching Bitcoin Black Friday in 2012. John's initial quote-unquote half-baked idea to raise awareness of Bitcoin and its advantages in commerce caught on in a big way from 2012 to 2018, featuring deals from hundreds of merchants and driving hundreds of thousands of dollars in Bitcoin transactions and mainstream media attention. Excuse me. This year, on November 27th, Bitcoin Magazine is bringing Bitcoin Black Friday back in a big way with a focus on building the Bitcoin circular economy and highlighting advances in Bitcoin's utility for commerce. Visit BitcoinBlackFriday.com to list a deal if you are a Bitcoin accepting merchant or want to be in, to see Bitcoin Black Friday deals from companies like Unchained Capital, CoinKite, and more. Uh, we will be on that list as well. Um, so shout out to John Holmquist for, for championing Bitcoin Black Friday and the circular economy. I mean, they did, that was an ad. Was it? They just tricked you into reading an ad, Marty. I don't think Bitcoin Magazine profits from this, though. Isn't it there? Li- it's on their page, but I think it's literally they, they want merchants within the space. Oh, yeah, well, anyway, we support the Bitcoin Black Friday movement. It's about creating a, a, a stronger circular economy. So we definitely is the, support is the it. Sh- is the shout-out ever going to recover from this episode? I don't know. This is like a bad, bad week for <laughs> shout-outs. Let's hope the last one is... Uh, well, the last one is simply a, a link a link to a pull request on BTC Pay Server. We'll uh, link to it in the show notes, but it's github.com slash BTC Pay Server slash BTC Pay Server slash pull slash 1910. And if you go to the it's link... It's about adding it credit is, cards to BTC Pay. Yeah, and uh, looking at the PR, it's getting a lot of knacks, yeah. so I don't know. The only supporters, like, uh, if shitcoins are added, we might as well add fiat. Yeah, um, so. But that's cool. That's, that's the first PR we've ever gotten included in a shout-out, especially yeah, without any context. I kind of dig that idea of just a $50 PR. You just put it in. <laughs> this PR needs so, uh, more attention. A PR review bounty, $50, and we draw attention to it, and people go look at it. The other thing about the Strike thing is, like, n- neither me or Marty have used Strike. Uh, Not yet, no. Yeah, so I, I'm extra. I extra don't really know. You know, that's why we need to have some more context before we... We haven't watched a podcast. We've never used Strike. Um, so we just need a little bit more context. That's all. Yes. Um, 
uh, hopefully you freaks were, <laughs> were okay with that shout-out section. I know it was a little controversial of a shout-out section this week, but you know what? It is what it is. We're going to live. We're going to learn. We're going to get over it. We'll be here week in, week out, and we will better ourselves throughout time. I can't believe that guy owns Mike.com, but his Twitter handle is Michael Underdash Sailor. Like, how did he not get at Mike? You know, like, it's, it's just funny how that works out. Right. Maybe he, he didn't uh, even get Michael Saylor with no underdash. This is, uh, yeah. Can't win them all, I guess. Yeah. Have, have you talked to Matt O'Dell recently? Our penist? No. I'm never going to get no. that domain. Uh, it's whatever. Maybe you can buy a couple from Michael. I have mattodell.com. It's enough for me. I'm not greedy. My okay. domains are so bad compared to his. I like just I'm just had bags and bags of, of shitcoin domains. Like in comparison to him, he's just got some quality blue chips in there. But one thing that someone mentioned, and it was one of the things I thought of too, is that he probably would have been better off selling them two, three years ago because ICANN, the organization that's in charge of the top level domains, has now started adding all these new domains. Like they just added .gay two days ago. Um, I saw that. So, so what's happening is basically it's like a lesson in, in what happens when you have centrally controlled scarcity, right? Because they're adding by adding all of these new domains, like apple.com isn't as valuable when apple.io exists or apple.whatever, you know, apple.gay. So, yeah, so that, that's I, I think that's an interesting uh, little metaphor there for like centrally controlled shitcoins versus. Uh, Versus a more distributed system like Bitcoin. Yes. yes. The scarcity is only as strong as, as how easy it is to change it. Yes. And I can prove that it's pretty easy to change. Dot gay. It's here. Um, I bought hodl.gay. <laughs> I saw that. BTC.gay was $2,400. Really? So we've made it. We've made it, fam. It was a premium domain. They were selling it for more. All the the, all the regular domains were twenty four dollars, but BTC dot gay was was twenty four hundred. Was it because it's BTC meaning Bitcoin or BTC a three letter? Bitcoin dot gay was also twenty four hundred. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Um, you know what else is interesting? It's probably the tenth interesting of the podcast. Make that eleven. Uh, back Bitcoin futures topped their daily volume record uh, earlier this week. Uh, they surge past the record. What did they hit? I mean, it's still pretty lame, but it's good to see, right? Yeah. Uh, worth more than $200 million, which is up 36% from their previous uh, all-time high. Uh, so they, they traded 15,955 contracts earlier this week. Did you see the chart Less. from SKU? The, yeah. They are little, they're a little speck on the graph of the, of the share of aggregated daily volumes. Yeah, they're like the, nothing. You can't even really see them on the chart. The monster is uh, is it CME or cranking? I can't tell with that color. It's Binance, right? It's Binance. It's Binance. Yeah, my eyes are fit. Binance, right Wobi, and OKX. Yes, this is Bitcoin futures aggregated daily volumes. Uh, do you think any of these exchanges are spoofing volume? Yeah, I mean like you don't. Past? Yeah, you don't. There's no way to prove it. You can't verify. Yeah. Um, 
to be aware. It seems like interest in futures markets is starting to starting to increase, especially uh, I, maybe like backed all time high is a better indicator than Binance because you know they're playing by the books because they're subjected to the SEC or CFTC, CFTC most likely. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think like backed and CME right are obviously probably the most watched in yeah. terms of not being able to fuck with volumes. Um, th- yes. This news was, I thought, was like the most underappreciated bullish news of the week. Uh, Coin control. Yeah, in Ledger Live. So, like, I personally think that we need coin control in every single wallet. And I think people aren't, don't even realize that they need it, but they need it. Uh, and I want to see labeling, too. They don't have labeling yet, but but coin control is a good first step. And rumor has it, we have full node support coming to Ledger Live pretty soon as well. So, soon I'd really TM. like to see that. I want, yeah. I want to see most wallets have advanced features where you can just e- either easily connect your own full node or you can easily use coin control labeling. Yes. Uh, now, this coin control news is actually huge. It's actually a problem we've been dealing with at GAM's parent company where we've been getting dust attacked. Um, and we have one of our solutions uses a hardware wallet with no coin control. And uh, having coin control on Ledger Live really helps people preserve their privacy especially if they're being subjected to dust attacks so there's been a bunch of 546 sat transactions being attached to random addresses that are attempting to uh taint i think taints the right word taint those utxos by combining them when you when you send them in the future this is your fee burden too because the more inputs you have on the input side yeah the higher your fees yeah so shout out to Ledger for getting that live. But we need labeling too. But they said they're working on it. But yeah, it's good. It's good to see. One step at a time. One step at a time. One. Another thing. That's and I want tour support re- too, Ledger guys. Let's make it happen. On it. Get on it. Faster. Work faster. Faster. <laughs> uh, this is also great to see. Square Crypto uh, extended another hundred thousand dollar grant to BTC Pay Server. Uh, I believe this is the first uh re-up that they did follow-up grant yep. they're referencing as uh in their program so it's just great to see them supporting uh open source projects like btc pay server we've said it many many times on this podcast uh we believe btc pay server is one of the most important open source software projects in the space right now uh i use it every day it's it's incredible yeah i mean i think it's going to be it's like our most important kyc free on-ramp and off-ramp so yeah should we jump into that is that even on the uh, i have it on the list i put it at the end okay we'll wait um there's a sparrow wallet guide out by bitcoin q a our boy uh sparrow wallet brand new wallet i think we talked about it last week uh nice open source wallet connects to your already existing electrum backend um, so Electrum, the Electrum GUI is getting hit from both sides. We have Spectre that just integrates directly into Bitcoin Core, which I think is probably going to be the best option for the majority of people that want to use their hardware wallet with a full node. And then advanced users might start using Sparrow Wallet as their as their GUI for their Electrum server rather than native Electrum. So watch your back, Electrum. <laughs> people coming for that coming for that nut. We we appreciate you. Yes, but uh, uh, it's good to see. It's just good to see all these options coming in, and it looked like Knox uh, Knox Custody is about to release something too. That's also a GUI based uh, multi sig with your own node. 
I just I love all of these new open source wallets that are getting released. Yeah, big fan of uh, the team at at Knox Custody. I've had the pleasure of meeting Zane Pocock and uh, Thib in person. Yeah, I met and Thib. Qu- quality Bitcoiners, uh, really in it for the right reasons, and the content they've been putting out, particularly as Bitcoin as collateral and, uh, and attempting to convince family offices that they should allocate to Bitcoin has been incredible as well. So. We're gonna to link to their. Uh, oh, we didn't even. We don't even have a link for them. No, Which, I just mentioned it. I just yeah, remembered um, it. Go check them out. Uh, I think they've only and, been teasing the in terms of their actual GUI wallet or whatever their open source wallet product. They've been only yeah. teasing it on on Twitter. Yeah, the more the merrier. Optionality, we say it a lot, is a uh, is a good thing. It drives competition, just like optionality in the podcast space drives competition. It does so in the wallet space too in the in the software space uh roy from breeze uh technology the non-custodial lightning wallet put out a really great piece earlier this week i believe it was monday i wound up writing about it in the bent uh talking about multi-path payments and wombo oh, and how roy. yeah how the combination of these two uh upgrades to the lightning network actually changes the dynamics of the lightning network uh multi-path payments create an additive feature or an additive feedback loop is probably a better way to describe it to channel creation where the likelihood of you getting a transaction through is significantly increased because you don't need it to go through one channel uh, along your route you can uh, use many different uh, channels along your route to piece together a transaction which is huge and then when you consider the fact that wombo channels enable people to open up bigger channels, it just adds to that overall liquidity and uh, really helps uh, increase the uh, utility and user experience of the Lightning Network. And it's a couple of these upgrades that uh, you really don't realize it until they're live, how how much they improve the network overall. And it's these small, uh, methodical, calculated upgrades that I like to see that uh, really surprised people to the upside, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think MPP is a bigger deal uh, than Wumbo, personally. Uh, but uh, it was it's just a really good piece by Roy, and I, l- I love his wallet, Priest Wallet. So Go check it out. Yeah, MPP um, is a really big deal. Yeah, because otherwise really the liquidity is, is all... It, it, makes the, it just makes the UX and everything better, too, just because you have exactly. less failed payments. It didn't improves privacy on lightning um i i'm telling you i keep going back and forth i was bearish on lightning then i was like over bullish on lightning and now i'm like back down to reality um i'm bullish i'm very bullish that piece made me extremely bullish i mean we'll see i it's i i think it's too early to call one way or the other to be honest but yeah um the nice thing about a second layer is even if it's a complete fucking failure uh we can learn from it and continue on like nothing happened yes it seems like there's been good progress being made we will be following the progress of the lightning network as we have up to this point and i'm i'm trending towards very bullish uh i mean there's only a thousand bitcoin in that thing yeah right now publicly and, I, and like half of it yeah. is ellen big just some random ass russian whale who's running all of his servers in virginia what a boss uh, he must. Software. I bet you he's providing CoinJoin liquidity too. I wouldn't be surprised. 
software updates you just want to blow through these or yeah. any particular that are major updates that you want to touch on nah just hit the freaks yeah so sea lightning version 0.9.1 is out there if you're running that blockstream has upgraded sea lightning it comes with a blog post that we will link to in the show notes if you're running election version 4.0.3 uh, has been released. Uh, we're going to release. We're going to link to the sh- release notes there. I'm not going to read them out loud because I've gotten yelled at in the past for doing that. If you're running Blue Wallet version 5.5.8 has been released, so make sure you're upgraded there as well. And that's uh, the only software updates we have on the list this week. This is pretty big news. Cranking. It's officially a bank now. This and one I was- wasn't really hyped at all about. This one, I think, is overhyped. I didn't know whether to be hyped or not. I've, this is one I've been neutral on, but I do... I'm a little hyped about the fact that it's a full reserve bank. I like that. But, like, why, though? Why am I excited, or why are they a full reserve bank? No, they're a full reserve bank because Wyoming requires them to be a full reserve bank. I didn't realize that. Yeah, it's, it's it was... Caitlin Long's... Uh, what do they call it? SBDI S- or something? Yeah, special purpose. Depository institution? Yes. So you have yes. to be full reserve and everything to, 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 to qualify for that. So full reserve on the, I believe full reserve on the fiat side and on the Bitcoin side. Yes. Um, so I guess the, that's the good. Benef- the benefit with the SPDI is that deposits aren't required to be insured by the FDIC again, because they're already fully reserved. I mean, you don't like the whole reason the FDIC insurance exists is because people are running fractional reserve everywhere. All these banks have like 6%. Um, Not even. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I, I'm not like, fuck, fuck. I don't, you know, it doesn't matter to me. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, it's not a negative thing or a positive thing. Good for them. I know they wanted it, you know? So, Congrats, congrats to those involved. Uh, but to me, it's not uh, necessarily like a bullish thing for Bitcoin. I don't know if it's a bullish thing for... Is it a bullish thing for Wyoming? Maybe. Is it a bullish thing for Kraken? I guess. Yeah, if any of you freaks out there have uh, reasons to be bullish or things that we missed, tweet at us and let us know how stupid we are. Uh, what do you, do you think it's bullish for Bitcoin? I mean, like, maybe a little bit. Yeah, there's nothing obvious that jumps out to me. Where it's like, ah, the Michael Saylor news is much more bullish, in my opinion. Especially after listening to that interview. I don't know, that dude's, like, fully orange-billed. Yeah, it's uh, it's great to see. You'll love to see it. I, uh, yeah, that one caught me off guard. This is yeah. like, eh, you know, it's like more bullshit hype, whatever. Yes. Um. Looping back up to the message before the list, what I wanted to point out, a uh, good friend, Leo Zhang at, I always mess it up, I, I don't know if it's Annika or Anissa Research, whatever it is, A-N-I-C-C-A, my pronunciation may be off, uh, put out part two of the alchemy of hash power. It's just an incredible piece if you guys want to understand the dynamics of the Bitcoin mining markets uh, historically when miners have invested uh, and when they've deployed machines and how that's affected their profitability and hash rate on the network. It's just a very insightful piece that that gives you a peek into the dynamics of the mining industry. So shout out to Leo for putting out some incredible content. 
uh, and any of you freaks who are wanting to learn more about mining, highly recommend you go check it out. Uh, Leo's probably one of the top five people, maybe top three people on the planet that really understands the ins and outs of uh, the mining industry and hash rates specifically. And now we transition to topics that make us very angry. Our good friends, uh, the Financial Action Task Force, FATFA. Not our boys. Uh, have, uh, have released a report that uh, describes red flags that people should look out for uh, in relation to virtual assets, red flag indicators. It's a 20-page uh, report, and uh, they talk about... The red flags are indi- just like using Bitcoin. Yeah, exactly. Um, using Bitcoin, trying to be anonymous. So, oh God, I fucking hate this institution. Why do they exist? For control. Supernational, it's unelected. For control. It's all for control. Assholes. Don't let them control you, freaks. They want to control you. They don't want to control your money. They want to control your mind. They want to control your agency. Do not let them. This we is... need to start speaking up more against these assholes. And avoiding KYC services. As, oh, we'll get into that. Let's stick on FAFSA for a little bit. Well, so uh, Marty, like I, when I go through in my head, biggest risks to Bitcoin, right? Um, those have evolved over the years. You know, in the beginning, I thought we'd see maybe like full on national bans of of Bitcoin, maybe no trading whatsoever, like all these different things, you know, regulation of mining. Um, Right now, I think we've gotten past a lot of of these threat factors. Like obviously, like it's Lindy and network effect. Like the longer Bitcoin succeeds, the stronger it becomes, uh, the more resistant to action it, it becomes. But right now, to me, the biggest threat by far is this creeping KYC into everything that happens, like identify all users and then try and capture all the player, as many players as possible from that angle, right? Rather than try and go for like full outright bans, like try and enforce KYC on the miners, try and enforce KYC on the users, try and enforce KYC on the merchants and get as many people to comply as possible. And then from there, enforce based on the information you have. And this is where we get into the debate, like how possible and effective is that enforcement once those UTXOs are moved off exchange into personal wallets, potentially coin joined in relation to mining KYC. I wrote about that this morning. Jeremy Rubin uh, has written about ways in which you can use op check template verify if it ever gets merged into core uh, to create decentralized mining pools that allow you to uh, construct a block yourself as an individual miner and distribute the reward with other miners in the decentralized pool. So Shinobi actually wrote a good piece yesterday highlighting uh, the Achilles heel of the mining industry right now, which is the fact that uh, Bitcoin mining pools, the way they're constructed now, do actually custody funds on behalf of the individual miners with that are contributing hash rate to their pool, and then they distribute those funds. So there is temporary custody of funds that are distributed and Shinobi made a very good point. This is uh, something that uh, financial regulators could point to and say, hey, you're custodying financial assets. You need to KYC your users. Um, so while, yes, I don't think it's perfect right now, I do think there are solutions on the table that could 
come to market that uh, make it, again, as is what I said in the newsletter yesterday and today, uh, dumb and expensive to enforce. So with the mining, particularly these decentralized mining pools using object template verify that allow individual miners within that pool to mine a block and then distribute rewards uh, commensurate with the other with the hash rate other miners are contributing to that decentralized pool and then when it comes to kyc exchanges uh, if you are taking custody of your bitcoin off that exchange either coin joining even if you're just sending it but straight to a wallet you have the plausible deniability on your side and then you don't have they may ha they may have all that information of people who have given up kyc information to exchanges and know that they own bitcoin but what is the likelihood that logistically they'd be able to enforce um some type of some type of punishment on all those users especially if most of them are long-term holders one second one second one second well that's my i said my piece yeah okay you were just adding it towards the end. It was just, okay. First of all, you know, the decentralized mining stuff sounds like hopium to me. We'll see if it happens. Um, but regardless, I, I kind of feel like we're resistant on the mining side just because of regulatory arbitrage and just because like it's a global, it's a global market. So, so the way I look at this threat here is I think, I think the network as a whole long term should be, should be kind of immune to this type of attack. Uh, because mostly because of regulatory arbitrage and because it's a global system. So like you need to have like global coordination to try and like do like real damage to Bitcoin, the network. Um, I think the threat is to the individual users. And I, I think I think the threat is to the individual users. And I think that it's going to come down to individuals to try and make themselves more resistant to this type of threat. And I think it depends where you live. Right. And I think if you ask most people, if you ask most people, a user that is custodying with an exchange, let's say you keep your Bitcoin on Coinbase, is less resistant to their government acting against them than a user who's keeping self-custody, right? Completely Everyone agree. agrees. Completely agree. Right. So I would take that a step further. I think a user who, who self-custodies but coin joins first is, is, is more resistant than a user that just self-custodies. A user that self-custodies and coin joins and uses their own node and does privacy best practices going forward is more resistant. Then I think on top of that, if you're a user that's accumulating without KYC and you do the privacy best practices, then you're the most resistant, right? So there's a scale there and, and the users that are just keeping, that are on the top of the scale that are just keeping custody on an exchange or doing KYC with zero privacy best practices they're at most risk, you know, and, and it, it, they, many of them might be fine, but it is, it's definitely a risk. I mean, I think, and it's probably to, to most holders, it's, it's probably their biggest risk of, of coin loss over the next 10 years. I, I don't know like what risk would be above that besides maybe like loss, just like being an idiot and losing your coins. Yeah. I don't deny that at all. That's why. We encourage people to take self-custody and coin join on this podcast. Another interesting variable that you have to throw in here too, which is, God, I'm saying interesting so many goddamn times, 15, uh, that you should pay attention to. So even if you are getting Bitcoin in a non-KYC fashion, you are going to pay a premium on those, those coins. So you have to consider like, and you do have a counterparty in those trades that does have some information about how 
you who you are to some extent. Yeah, it depends so, how you get it, but yeah. Yeah, you can. There's a you you, there's a range there as well. Yes, exactly. So there's there's some back doors there, and so that's a question. Like if you are buying non KYC to like avoid taxes, and somehow the government figures out that you own Bitcoin, you may be a hodler, or you may have spent Bitcoin in the past, and they want you to pay taxes for that. You're paying that premium to get it in non KYC, and then the taxes on top of it, and just the cost benefit analysis. Even if you are buying on a KYC exchange, does buying at a lower cost basis make up for the potential capital gains tax if you get Look, caught? This has in nothing the to do with not paying taxes. Well, the freaks should pay their taxes. Okay, this is this is about external risks to your privacy and to to your actual long term coin storage, um, because these this information is gonna is gonna leak and it's not gonna just be your government that's gonna use it against you. Like we we saw this week, two sets of Chinese nationals getting accused of 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 hacking private information of a bunch of different people, and this is gonna happen to all of this information, all this KYC information, and it's on a chain forever. Uh, so. So like I I think I and I, it's like people are allowed to make their own decisions. Like the beauty of Bitcoin is it's permissionless and then we have like tons of options at our at you know at our disposal and we can and you can choose which option you want. But I I think it, people should be aware of the trade-offs. And I also think like if you're the type of person that's on Twitter and you're like fuck the system, like Bitcoin is protest money, and you're buying all of your coins KYC and you're just like moving them just barely into like a ledger for self-custody and you're doing the bare minimum self-custody not using your own note or anything. Like you're mostly full of shit and like you're being a hypocrite like and you should do better and you should aspire to do better. And I understand people are overwhelmed, but they should just try a little bit harder and like, you know, it'll take time and get, get, you know, get your feet wet, learn. I agree. That's why we do this podcast, trying to get people off zero, uh, coin joining, getting into self-custody. And maybe an unfortunate event will be uh, like maybe uh, like times past. It's, it's not exactly the same thing, but like a Gox event happening where the government cranks down on these exchanges and doesn't let people move Bitcoin off will be a hard lesson people have to learn. Well, we see that uh, it's happening in India right now, right? Like, we're, we don't have, like, mm-hmm. one monolithic government. Like, there's going to be governments around the world that at different times are going to do different crackdowns. Like, India is right now, they're on their third crackdown. Um, so, like, hopefully people will realize, like, this is, you know, uh, I, it, like, if you want to be, you, you have a choice. Like, you don't have to be self-sovereign, but if you want to attempt to be somewhat self-sovereign, then, you know, Practice what you preach. That's all. Yes. Be aware. Be aware. Are you calling me out right now? No. You're trying to say that I'm not doing I'm not this? calling you yeah. out. I, uh, I I do practice what we preach. I just... I. No, this is why I called Hoddle out, though. <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, I just... I, I think... At the core of any kind of these movements, right, is like empowering individuals and empowering people. Uh, so I, I just... Like, I, as much as I think Bitcoin is inevitable, like, we need people to be a part of the movement and to be, like, stronger parts of the movement, right? And and the only way that, and, and one of the things that detracts from that is, like, this, like, ho- this, like, hollow, shallow, uh, 
lip service to it rather than actually practicing it right and i i, I think people should just be more introspective about it and I, like yeah. i i know me personally like i've been guilty of it plenty of times um and i just yes. try and do better you know i i should thank you for lighting a fire under my ass and forcing me to do that just so we're not being hypocrites on here uh another thing i want to add too, and what, what i said in yesterday's newsletter i believe is like that was the kyc one right yeah, like how possible is another executive order 6102? Like if it gets to that point, like here in America, I'll just speak for America specifically. Uh, shout out to our Indian freaks. I feel uh, terrible that you're being subjected to another exchange ban. But like if here in America they try to do that again, you have confidence in our government institutions at all-time lows. We're sort of wise to how bad of an idea executive order 6102 turned out to be in the repercussions of uh cucking ourselves when when that happened do you think uh this time around people will uh easily lay over and, and let the government fuck them up the ass i i i i think out of all countries like we might be we're in a we're in like a better situation probably um in terms of, of likelihood of something like that, but you could easily see, I could easily see like a softer version where you, you just, you have to declare fully all of your transactions every year. Uh, and, and, you, and like a super high tax rate on it, um, rather than like some kind of full on seizure. And yeah, it'll be a fight. Uh, like obviously the better situation and we've already, we're fucked. Like we're going to have to be a part of that fight. But obviously, the better situation to be in is to, like, not be a part of that fight. Like, if there's a fight, like, it's better to just not have to worry about it because you fucking covered your ass beforehand. Uh, yes. So, so you know, like, like anything else, uh, like anything else, there, there's some nuance there. But I, I, I don't know. And, and, like, even, like, little things, like, are... Our protected speech in America is much stronger than other countries. So, like in somewhere like in in England, there's there's precedent of of forcing you to uh, decrypt encrypted drives. Um, in America, I what is it? The, They're pushing for that. In America, what is the Fourth Amendment? Right, where you is the one yeah, where, where you're unlawful search and seizure. Yeah, so you're you don't you you can't you don't have to disclose your password. Like they have to try and crack it. Um, yeah. So like stuff like that like protects us uh, much more than than uh, in other countries. But like I think that's like against the like the cypherpunk ethos is that like we shouldn't be relying on a document and rights or like social assumptions to protect that's this stuff. You, sh- you should be like trying to like solidify those protections through that's like code and practice. Yeah. Yes, bring it back to the cypherpunk manifesto you make it impossible for them to do this and and i well while we're on the subject i, w- I want to give a heartfelt shout out to our to our freaks in, in in victoria in australia it seems like you guys are getting you, it seems like you guys are a testing ground for some weird orwellian shit right now it's uh it's really up. weird what's going on over there um i just just to go back one more time to like KYC surrounds us on a daily basis. This information collection surrounds us on a daily basis. A lot of times mandated by our own governments that basically directly and indirectly criminalize people seeking out privacy. You know, like even things like registering to vote 
doxes doxes like key public information about you um like paying your taxes like trying to be a law-abiding citizen like results in you giving up a ton of your privacy um and then we have this corporate surveillance behemoth that has just rose to power that works hand in hand with governments um that is basically just they own our digital identities they know everything about us they buy and sell us on the free market, they're buying and selling our identities, right? So, like, at its core, like, this this whole privacy debate, to me, is is a debate about control, right? It's a, a debate about control of people, and there's no way to stop it except for individual action. And I, I think yeah. I'm, in Bitcoin, we see that with the KYC purveyors. Um, but but we see this on a, on a daily basis with everything, stuff like Gmail, stuff like... Like I'm trying to use this graphene phone as my daily driver. Like there's negatives all the time that I have to that I have to deal with. Um, and keep missing appointments because I'm not using Google Calendar. Like shit like that, you know. And uh, but but we people need to like stand up. And I I I had the honor of speaking at Fidelity's privacy conference this week, which is gonna. Be, oh yeah, how was that? It was great. It's gonna be released. The videos should be released publicly soonish. So keep an eye out for them. Um, but we had, uh, Sam Abbasi from, uh, Fidelity was the moderator and, uh, we had Fluffy Pony, me and Tom Robinson from Elliptic, uh, chain surveillance. And Ricardo said something interesting that I wanted to parrot here, um, that a good goal to have is like every six months, try and remove one negative privacy thing from your life. You know, whether that's Gmail or whether that's uh, a, like Alexa voice assistant, which no one should have, uh, you know, like any of these little things um, like location on your phone, all these little things like try and remove one every six months and just try and slowly move yourself. Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, WhatsApp, try and remove them and slowly become more hardened there. I like that. Just one every six months, maybe make a list, start chopping away at that list yeah. over the next few years. I think it's a good plan. Yeah. It makes it less daunting. Because it is a daunting idea to approach. But it's like it's fucked up that like corporate surveillance has become such a thing because you can't even we can't even trust like our companies. You know, you can't this is why free open source software is so important, you know, but it's like it's like bullshit that you can't just like buy a buy like a mainstream phone and like have privacy guarantees because like it yeah. should be a national security issue like we have links here of, of the chinese doing it and we definitely do it i know we do it the russians do it and and the difference is now like it's not just the americans doing it and and people are just going to be hacking each other's citizens for all this information that their own governments are collecting on them and their own corporations are collecting on them and they're going to use it for control and blackmail and shit and it makes us all weaker. It makes the country fucking weaker. And people have to start to realize that. And I'm afraid people won't realize that until, like, a lot of damage is done. Yeah. Fight back, freaks. Uh, take action. Individual action uh, can be as small as speaking up against this stuff, telling the FATF to go fuck themselves and asking why they even exist in the first place. Um, but, yeah, the last two... Uh, things we have on the list we already mentioned, but just to more thoroughly dive into them, Chinese nationals uh, have allegedly attacked more than 100 companies 
Justice Department unsealed some indictments of Chinese nationals for uh, attacking uh, software firms, social media, video game companies, universities, and foreign governments. Uh, so that's a pretty big deal. And then uh, maybe I, maybe they're related. I don't know if they are I think related. They're different. Yeah, Chinese. So somebody Vice wrote a article. I believe it was earlier this week or last weekend, basically detailing the fact that China has been doing mass surveillance of millions of citizens in the U.S., U.K., Australia, and India, and they've been scraping social media data, but also, which is interesting, that I believe they have like medical and banking data as well, which you can't scrape from social media. So they're getting into foreign systems and, and scraping uh, citizen data. And what what do they want to do with that? Like, does China have a plan to take over the world? They're going to come use that data to subject us at some point in the future? Look, if you have information on everyone's spending habits, everyone's text messages, everyone's medical issues, like, that's control, baby. That's, like, you right. have everything there. And, like, I just... Uh, like, it's... it's I, I just... I. I, I, instead, instead of like our governments realizing the threat that that is posed externally from our horrible privacy practices, they're doubling down and they keep trying to like ban encryption and shit. And it's like the yeah. exact opposite of what we really should be doing. So exactly. Um, you know, I have zero faith in in our government making making proper strides here, which is why I'm advocating for free and open source software. But you know. Obviously, the ideal situation would be that you wouldn't have to even, you know, go out of your way to do it. It would just be encouraged everywhere. Yeah, people would just respect freedom. What what a world that would be, right? I honestly think it's a national security issue. No, obviously it is. And that was uh, actually, does Bitcoin fix this, right? Cause, no. uh Well, J.P. Koning that nerd who tries to fight on Bitcoin all the time, but fails miserably because he doesn't understand. <laughs> he tweeted out something today, like Bitcoin ransom attacks are increasing and highlighted a bunch of examples. And there's no such thing as a Bitcoin ransom attack. There are ransomware attacks that uh, prefer to accept Bitcoin as payment. It has nothing to do with Bitcoin. The software it has to do with the fact that Bitcoin is a better money to accept if you're a ransomware uh, pirate. Uh, you do not want to put a PayPal account up there because it's likely to PayPal. Freezing those funds is probably 100%. Uh, but the point I'm trying to make here is that as more of these ransomware attacks, hopefully these systems, which are holding a lot of uh, important data, become more secure, not with the intention of securing your data, with the intention of not getting ransomware uh, so they don't have to buy Bitcoin and give that up. So There's two problems there, though. The first, what are the they? first problem is, is so like the idea of the ransomware attack is, is that they encrypt your data and then if you pay them the ransom, they unencrypt it for you, right? Um, so that provides them an incentive to get into your system to do that, and then they can still copy that data and sell that data separately if they want to, um, separate of you getting the decryption key. So there's no incentive for them to not keep a copy. And the second thing is. The easiest, most low-tech way to protect yourself from ransomware attacks is to just have off-site backups. So you still lose the data, but at least you don't lose it yourself. Like, someone gets a copy of it, but you don't... Because, like, to these companies, it's almost worse for them just not having the data than it leaking. They don't really care as much if it leaks. Um, 
for whatever reason. You know, it doesn't give them that much PR backlash. Like people aren't freaking out enough yet. Uh, no one, so, you know, like Equifax is still in business. Yeah. So does Urbit fix this? No, Urbit doesn't fix this. I, I think Maybe. I think pain fixes this. I think people are just like we don't realize because you know we all live our our little lives like from our perspectives. But like, hey, it's, I'm living a big I'm living a big life, buddy. <laughs> big boy in a big world. Um, I uh, but it's never been this bad before. Like we've never had so much of our lives on the internet and digital and easily scraped and easily aggregated. Like it's ne- we've never been in this situation before. So it's going to, at some point it's going to hit a critical mass. We're just going to like, everyone's going to get owned. We're just going to get owned left and right. All of our data is going to be out there. It's super hard to get back your privacy once you've lost it. And we're going to learn the you, hard way. That or you just have some Tyler Durden radical start blowing up servers or something like that. Uh, yeah, like, uh, what's the show? Fight Club, it's a movie. And no, a book. not Fight Club. Uh, uh, iRobot? Or no. Mr. Robot. Mr. Robot, there you we just go. Like I've never watched all it. the financial records. Yeah. Hey, Mr. Robot, if you're out there, think about it. Just kidding. We do not, we do not incite financial terrorism on Tales from the Crypt. You keep encouraging it. Uh, the... I had something to say here. Oh no, yeah, the put yeah. Like like the point that you just made that it's never been this bad. Well, it's how early is the internet, right? And like if we're thinking about this technology moving into the future, the internet in a form that is accessible to mass the masses is probably what, less than thirty years old at this point. Like it's still very early on if we assume that these technologies are going to persist hundreds, thousands of years into the future, barring any natural disaster that wipes out life on Earth. Uh, so we are we are the first iteration finding out these cracks, and uh, this is uh, they're, they're pretty big cracks we're finding. Hopefully, we can patch them. Because if not, we get the digital panopticon exported to the whole world which hopefully we can avoid i think it'll 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 get fixed eventually like humanity will find a way i just i just think it could be very painful in the interim and like i'd prefer if it wasn't like my great grandkids i would see the light like i you know i i would prefer that um and yeah i i just and specifically with bitcoin man just because of the ledger is forever the kyc just feels it just feels more insidious and it feels more like not like in your face. And like even little things like um, like let's use Citadel 21 for an example. They uh, accepted only Bitcoin for their magazine, right? A community focused Bitcoin zine. They released physical copies. Um, and a lot of people paid from KYC sources, Right. So even though Citadel, did they, did they reveal that? I mean, I'm, they definitely happened. Okay, whether they paid through Lightning through Strike or they paid directly from Cash App or something, um, a lot of people paid from KYC sources. So there's a bunch of KYC transactions that went into Citadel 21's wallet, and unless they practice like the most prudent coin control, use CoinJoin like super effectively and stuff, Citadel 21's wallet for all for all intents and purposes, is fully KYC'd 
and clustered and known. It's a known wallet, and they've never interacted with KYC directly themselves. But just indirectly, because they got paid KYC UTXOs, like it, it, it is known. Well, how would... Like, yes, if they... But if they practice good coin selection and coin control, like how would a chain analysis company know that they, the they, individuals? They'd have to be pros. Sending. They'd have to be pros. Which I, I wouldn't put it past them, but like if they, let's say, perfect scenario, they do act like pros. The chain surveillance company is none the wiser, and it can assume that that was the user moving it to personal storage too. I'm I'm, I'm telling you, like. Coinbase and Cash App and Kraken and Gemini like saw a ton of transactions go into this cluster and started. How do you know it's a cluster? Do we have to get into XPubs here? I'm, 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 look, if if they use their own full node, then they're at least not leaking it to an external server and doing all this other stuff, right? There's a bunch of best practices. Um, you, but you make a couple mistakes there and your wallet's fully clustered, especially if there's you know, information sharing going on with stuff like what FATFA wants. Um, like you end up having like people getting KYC that don't realize that they're getting KYC. That's all I'm saying. Yes. And, 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 it, and it gets very burdensome very quickly on the person trying not to get, you know, like what are they, they're going to leave, they're going to leave like fragments of UTXOs that they don't want to combine together. Uh, they supposedly like they're benefiting a circular economy. They said they said they're paying their printer, they're paying their shipper with Bitcoin, they're paying their printer with with Bitcoin. So then all those wallets are getting right. They're like one step removed. So, I don't know, but like, what if they use P to E P? Look, Marty. Like, if you want to talk about perfect hypotheticals, you know, perfect theoreticals, then sure, then they're probably fine. But like, also like, how many people are using that shit? We're using it. Yeah. Um, I mean, in some ways, though, the pay-to-endpoint clusters your wallet more on BTC Pay, but that's a separate nuance. It's a topic for another day. Uh, uh, are you optimistic it will get better? Yeah, I look, I think Lightning is like probably our best shot in like in like the in the most basic sense, right? Like just yeah. because at least it's not on-chain. Um, but I'd like to, I, and I'd like to see coin join usage go up. And I think, I think even if you don't have effective privacy on it, it's like a protest vote. Every time a KYC UTXO goes into coin join, it's like, everyone knows it did. <laughs> so it's, it's, yeah. it's like a, it's a good protest that maybe it tells, tells them to back off and not try and, and make any moves there. Yeah. And again, uh, an action can be as simple as speaking up. Maybe we should be advocating for more bull bitcoin like services that automatically coin join deposits and withdrawals and stuff like that um you see but that goes solution. both ways too right because like so like i love that bull bitcoin is coin join. i want that to become the standard um but if 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 bull bitcoin is like a i imagine bull bitcoin has to they're a regulated company i imagine they have to keep records of all of their utxos that go into the coin join rounds and stuff and provide them i'm not sure if that's the case but like if if that's the case then they're they're almost degrading the rounds right at least the perceived the perceived uh like you think you're getting more privacy from the rounds than you are like if they're like 20 of the outputs in the round 
Um, so there's a nuance there. And like, ideally we'd see a lot of them do it. And, and, and it does definitely gives you the benefit of normalization, which, you know, I would love to see, but not all liquidity is equal. That is true. Yeah. Hmm. All right. We'll be covering the stuff moving forward as we always have. We have any last thoughts here. It's starting to rain where I am. You freaks may be able to notice um, with the background noise. Well, Rodolfo told me that he wanted a free shout out that any Bitcoin core users that are using RPC user, RPC pass should stop using that. Uh, it's, it's less secure option compared to RPC off. So if you're using it, you know who you are. Look into it. Look into it. And if you're playing TFTC bingo, you can hit the Rodolfo square. We waited till the end, but we hit it. Um, we also, we have to like auction off or raffle off a, a, uh, Block clock, clock, yeah, block clock, block mini clock. at some point, but I we have to figure out a fun ethical way of doing it. So I haven't decided yet. So yes, if you have any ideas, and, uh, freaks, shout it out in the comments. And uh, to all of our BTC Pay server friends out there that are working on it, particularly Rockstar Dev, uh, the BTC Pay server hats that uh, we are contributing to BTC Pay server from our fundraiser, uh, they're in the hands of Gary Leland. They did not make it down the bit block boom, <laughs> Gary. Also said he's going to take one, so subtract one from the donation. Uh, we got to figure out where we're sending those hats. Gary is custodying them right now, uh, and I and I don't want to trust him. I want to verify that they get into your hands at some point soon. So we'll reach out to you directly. Yeah, let's coordinate that. Soon. On the bright side, our auctions there raised, uh, I think, over seventy-five million sats for BTC Pay. So yes, close um, to a Bitcoin. It bought us a little bit of time. But we'll get them too. Yes. Uh, shout out to Gary and Bitblock Boom. Seems like everybody made it out unscathed. No COVID positive. Not a single. So. Co- there was like forty-five or fifty negative tests too. I was one of them. Yeah. Pretty crazy. Yeah. Makes you think. Makes you think. Makes you think. Hope you're enjoying your muzzles out there, freaks. That's all we got this week. Stay humble, stack sets. Peace and love. Tiki!